March 10, 2021. It's Watch for Pedro Show. <laughs>
Off for Pedro What's Show. That? Okay. Happy Wednesday. Uh, near the end, of the middle of the month of March. Uh, started the show off with John Coltrane live at Penn State, nineteen sixty-three, with the Inchworm. You know, beboppers would do that. They take some song and trip it out, right? Then uh, Fat Worm Error after that with Like and Like Me. And uh, Brother Matt on the Pleasure Point. Love Grotto because still quite quarantino mode. But I'm not totally man alone, people, because of those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got Mr. Chris Cooper with me. Welcome aboard, Chris. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. And where are we talking to you from? Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, um, awesome. yeah where are you I'm, talking to me from? I'm at work taking a... Yeah, but where I'm, is I am at work at the... Well, in, in San Francisco at the Museum of Modern Art. In, a, <coughs> in the old days, everybody called it the city. People don't say that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you're, this show is international in reach. <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I wouldn't want to defame the people of Berlin by claiming that this is the city. I know, but there's just something about it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I like that, too. That's That was my family. My mom, I remember my mom teaching me, like, now, so, not San Francisco. Ooh, oh, so you're, uh, you're native. More or less. I've been around a lot. I lived on the East Coast for about 20 years, but I've been back west for but you started five off, or so. See, I want to I wanna go th- uh, through your journey uh, uh, through music. So, what, what, uh, Chris, please bring your earliest musical recollection. Earliest musical recollection. Well, I don't actually remember listening to Cat Stevens on headphones in Santa Cruz when I was six, but my mom says that I did that a lot. And I think, because Cat Stevens means almost nothing to me. I think I must have just loved the fact that he was called Cat. Because um, I like cats. He's called something else uh, nowadays. Well, well, uh, Yusuf Islam, right? Yeah, right. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, my mu- earliest musical memory, honestly, this sounds like I'm trying to score points, but the first thing I really remember, when I was quite young, we traveled around the world, my mother, stepfather, and I, and I was at a Balinese Ketchuk performance when I was like eight, and I was terrified. I feel like they were kicking around coals. Maybe it wasn't really Ketchuk. I'm not sure. I don't know. You were on the island of Bali. That, that is one of the... Okay, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should tell the listeners that's part of uh, Indonesia, and uh, actually, uh, when I was helping the Porto for Pyro guys out, you know, they had a song called "Bali Eyes" because they went there, and there were some ladies dancing, really using their eyes. And so, yes, yes, that is amazing. Yeah, so Paris started doing that. In fact, that's the way these guys operate on stage, and. Actually, us Minutemen didn't make a lot of eye contact. It was kind of lonely. But with these guys, man, they were Perk and Peter and Pear. Their eyes were just on you. And I guess it came from their Bali experience. So, uh, you grew grew up in Santa Cruz? I was born in that area. And then we were going to sort of um, back to the land in the South Pacific. That was 
It's like when I was like eight, nine, it didn't quite work out. So we came back to the United States. So I actually grew up most of my like middle school, high school, teenage years in southern rural Missouri. Wow. Like, and, uh, and as soon as I graduated high school, I was, I was back to California, back to the Bay Area. Yeah, which Branson, Branford, there's a yeah, Branson, 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 right. So, yeah, that was like where, where the exciting school trip. Yeah, it was like it turned into a showbiz town for a while. Uh, entertainers had their own yeah. pads and shit like that. But Springfield is where uh, Missouri is from. Uh, uh, yodeling Cowboy Charlie, the, Charlie Hayden, the great bass player, father Petra Hayden. That's right. Rachel Hayden. Yeah. That's right. Well, right. yeah. Um, Springfield was the closest big city-ish to um, to where I was growing up, which was you know a small town out in the sticks. But about two hours away was Springfield. My first job was at a record store in Springfield, a tiny like one person run, but you know I was one of the few other people. And yeah, the owner was was a great guy turned me on to lots of like he was the first person i knew in uncle willie's eyeball buddies he sold me his old half japanese and fall collection he did so much for me anyway so this pad you grew up in southern missouri was there yes was there instruments in the house my stepfather played acoustic guitar okay and so there was that around and then i ended up getting an electric guitar when i was a teen roughly Okay, what yeah. about what about at school? Were you in the choir, or the marching band, or shit like that? Yeah, no, I never could sing at all, but I played clarinet. Played clarinet, then I moved to drums a little bit, percussion only because I could read, and most of the drummers had had gotten by by just winging it. Yeah. So I was <laughs> I was able to actually like read this thing, not play it well, but actually play it good enough for the conductor to be happy. That's great. Now, now, what was the first record you bought with your own money? It could have been Billy Joel songs from the attic. I remember the first seven inch I bought, which is like much later. But I, for some reason, I really remember buying Pet Shop Boys, West End Girls. But I already had a number of records by then. That was just my first seven inch. And it felt like a new different world of like not having a full album. But yeah, it might have been Billy Joel songs from the attic. And what was the first gig you went to go see? I have the answer to this. So not happy that the first show I saw was Rick Springfield in Springfield, Missouri, actually. Okay. But yeah, it was it was Rick Springfield. I, I think I remember wanting to see the Dead Milkmen and not being able to get it together to get a ride out to go to this club that I didn't know because I was underage and that sort of thing. So instead of Dead Milkmen, it was Rick Springfield. Jesse's girl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got to have a first of everything, right? So, uh, right. You got that electric guitar. Now, now, how'd you get it? Was it a gift? Yeah, that would have been, I think that was a Christmas present from um, my mother and stepfather, who he, like I said, he was a musician. He had a guitar. Um, they were super encouraging of me, like, playing music. And, and he wanted me to learn guitar. He was happy about that. He was happy to play. I played in his bands often, like bands of carpenters, because he was a carpenter. He was like, he'd hang out with other carpenters in southern Missouri, and they would play, like, 60s, 70s rock songs. Um and I would sometimes sit in on guitar or, oh, and I had a keyboard. I had an old chord keyboard, so I would, could play like basic chords on there. And did you learn from him? Basically, I learned from him, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who, who, and he does not like, he likes what I do for me, but he's certainly not 
he's really traditional in his music. And I think that's probably some of why I was like, wait, why do I need to learn to play these chords properly if it sounds just as good to me if I just run my hand up and down the strings, you know? So you you are learning the kind of uh, yin and yang of music. Yeah. By getting a lot of yang. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, I want to play Fat Wormer Air doing Child Watching Ball. Instantly I realized that 
this had happened to me once before When I was the younger guy And now I'd have to live it through once more Yes, I seduced myself Took me home I whispered Only I could make The younger guy feel Less alone I was playing with myself We were playing house Pretending we could hide inside the past and future To avoid our present self I loved myself so much that day I thought that I could trick my fate I took the fall for ten years time Thinking it'd be a pleasant wait Yes, down on Destiny Street today I found out twice The plan for the past or future Is playing with a fool's paradise
I saw a young queen walking by. Coiffed hair, eye makeup, tight stretch pants, scarves. This was the most endangered type of man in my generation. The kind most likely to die. For years, whenever I saw her, the Nelly Queen, I felt frightened for her safety. Being so tough and brave about how they looked on the street and showed they were bold about their desires. At one point,
Savior's strength for the living. We'll be back along this road someday.
Send me a message with something you thought I'd like to know Well here is something I'd like you to know You say these things that I just can't let go You sound absurd The value of your words has fallen off a cliff Your message arrived right next to some foreign call an automated voice that was trying to steal my money It had a bit more feeling, yeah it held the ear for longer Didn't tell me I'm the idealist, didn't talk out of its arse So I could read your message and admit I've been unkind But I cannot swallow rot and I'm done chasing those times
Watt for Pedro show. That Chuck music. Child watching ball started it off. Fat worm of air. After that, we had Richard Hell and the Voidoids. Destiny Street. This is the title song of his second album. Richard found the master tapes from, you know, 40 years ago, and he remixed the thing and sent it to me and signed it all up. It's just beautiful. He's my first punk rock hero, so it means a lot to me. Beautiful. Barry Burko band after that with Chimes. Psychic Hotline, brand new, Walking, Bombas Prendon, Raw Violin Seed Oil Slick. After that, Hands Rotten with Tello One Tone Mess with Prepared Whopper, no, Whopper at Whittacomp. Yeah, kind of cryptic. Hatchet Field, brand new out of Northern Ireland, Leave the Bodies Where They Lay. And finally, White Limo with... Uh, yeah, good luck with that one, so don't even try. <laughs> Sorry. Alasran Nig. Nigj. Yeah, I slaughtered that language. Okay, so what about, you're playing with your pop and shit in his bands, his carpenter bands, but what about the thing after school with your buddies uh, in the afternoon, like a basement band, a garage band, a bedroom band? Did you do that? Oh my God, totally had one of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was um, that was really, I mean, I guess everybody did. And I, I shouldn't talk too much about it because it's like, oh yeah, that's my story too. But yeah, there was- No, it's not. Everybody, I got to tell you, Chris, everybody's got their own- it's going to be 20 years in May, and believe it or not, it's almost like the fucking thumbprints where everybody's got a different one. Everybody's got a different story. Some, some dudes <laughs> yeah. didn't start, like Joe Biza didn't start, you know, Sacrament Trust didn't start guitar until he's 27. Really? I, I wouldn't shit wow. you. I wouldn't shit you. And, you know, Vincent painted only in the last 10 years of his life. I mean, not everybody starts early. Now, Steve Droz told me he was yeah. in his daddy's huh. country band playing drums at six. So everybody's different. Anyway, tell, <laughs> let's hear your story. Yeah, so my my band was yeah there was like what four or five of us because it was a small a small school really small school there's four or five of us who like had some instruments instruments and liked some of the same music which was mostly prog well like you know most like the big you know yes Genesis Pink Floyd I would say like King Crimson was probably a bit too weird for us for the most part so oh Marillion that was probably the most the most uh, salient point for us at that time since that was our generation even I thought so, that was you know, uh, I thought that was fake genesis yeah marillion's totally fake genesis, oh no but, you know, no but it's the other singer it's the other uh era yeah you know, it's yeah they're totally like 70s style but um yeah what's it ain't the drummer like kids in small town missouri you know okay, kids sure. in small town missouri look you just... can't you can't look even people in the big towns are into that shit okay it's all right it's all right <laughs> just tell me what happened you guys made a band and you tried copying their stuff or did you do original no, we mostly did originals. I feel like the only we did a cover of a U two song from from War, I think, and we did a Pink Floyd cover or two. But otherwise, we just we just did originals. Man, that's great to hear because I, like, I come from a time when everybody just speaking or ah, uh, you're cutting in and out. Are you using a fucking lace or a pewter? I'm using a computer, and I've noticed you cutting in and out too. I don't know. If yeah, it's... but but Chris, you're the one who's getting recorded. I'm sitting here right the next to the mic, so it don't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, so you start. Uh, who is the main songwriter? I've almost always done collective collaboration things. I feel like I okay. Really, really, really don't know how to write a song. It just everything flows better when I'm bouncing ideas off of someone sure, else. Sure, sure. It always feels better. okay. And, and so and yeah, it was, it was pretty. Cool. Did this band ever do a gig? Did this band ever do a gig? It's like a couple of parties, but that would be like two shows. I'm sorry, two songs. Well, tell Something. me about so, the first no, one. We, what what we, was the first one like? Still, what was the first one like? 
the very first one was just us doing a really bad cover of um, that U2 song, The Refugee from War. And I, you know, I tried to throw in a Hendrix-like solo because that was that was what I definitely thought I should do. I was right. That is what I should do. But that wasn't the place to do it. That was just at a, at a high school talent show. It was every bit as ridiculous looking as you would think, you know, so would for you call it a, would, would you call, kids. Would you call it a success or a failure? I would call it a success. Yeah, great. Because we did it. We actually did this thing that, like, out just on our completely on our own and brought it to some people and people were, you know, again, at this tiny school circa 1986, it's just like, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, you're not supposed to see your classmates with guitars and drums on stage. So it was, it was musically atrocious, but that was so unimportant. <laughs> now, what do you do after high school music wise? I'd say it got really in much more into free improvisation. I came out to, back to the West coast and I was able to like meet up with people who were, who were, interested in playing and like getting weird on their instruments so yeah i would start just playing at first being more like you know rock based jam stuff and and going farther and farther from what would have to be rock about it uh and you know that mixed with i was always really into studio four track tomfoolery and stuff like the residents or something like that so it would have some projects that would do songs that would do songs that were mostly just like tape manipulation and overdubbing but Definitely started getting into oh, so the you idea. St you start leaving the guitar, m making music with other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And both they they end up being separate, more separate than I would often want them to. Like guitar is a thing where I reach. I can do this live. I can play with different people in different scenarios. You know, I can play a rock kind of thing or a free jazz kind of thing or something like that without worrying about it ahead of time too much. But then on my own in my room, it's like four track, four track and pedals and like tape loops and that sort of thing so that's big time composing <laughs> well, i certainly well, have been known to have those pretensions yeah well, no what i'm saying is you said you like to when you were younger more younger uh you like to collaborate with people but now you're man alone with a four track yeah no it's it's, it's true and it's i i love working with a four track and you know things like that but it is but i still really miss the collaboration actually something that i thought a lot about when i was a like 1920 Somewhere in that area. Somehow I had that Gary Kale's Zurich 1916 record. Is that the name of it? Gary Kale's down here. Uh, he had a couple bands, right? Uh, he had... Anti. Uh, yeah, and he had, a, he had a record label, too. He put out them compilations. Life, okay, yeah, Life yeah. is Ugly, So Kill Yourself, or shit yeah, like this. Yeah. And Minutemen had some songs. But yeah, I think he had like a like his idea of Throbbing Gristle or something. Zurich 1960. Yeah, right. I had that, that album, that double LP, and I loved it. Um and one thing that really struck me, and I was reading too much into it, but like the first record was all solo stuff and it spans like three or four years. And the second record was mostly collaborations and it's just like so much in such a short time. And it's just like, this is what working alone gets you. Like it's so slow to finish something and like working with someone else, it's just like things, things flow out so quickly. Like someone tells you it's a good, yeah, I'm always second guessing myself. And if someone else is like, oh, that's a great idea, then like, great, won't do it. Otherwise, like I could have had the same idea by myself. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, that was a bad idea. Bad Chris. No, that's that's very wise, Chris. I, I agree with you. What about this fat worm air? Where does this come about? That is a little bit after we moved to the East Coast from my, my partner and I, who's also the Jessica. She's also the singer of the band. Um, we moved from San Francisco go to the east coast in the late 90s and then early 2000s actually actually i met the other guitarist in a community-based gamelan 
to, to bring things back full circle. Um, there was just like one other guy around my age in this gamelan ensemble, and we ended up talking like, oh, do you like rock music also? And like, yeah, actually, I really like abrasive guitar-based rock. And it's like, oh, so like abrasive guitar sounds in like interlocking gamelan structures? That sounds great. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, if you, if you uh, make some sounds, someone's going to hear it and come want to collab with you. Yeah, yeah. And gamelan yeah, was... interesting because gamelan percussive, but with with tonal elements, pitches and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's you know, there's so many small parts that if you take one instrument out of context, it doesn't sound like what the final piece sounds Absolutely. like because it's just yeah. playing like only on every third beat or something like that. And right, then right. just the whole interlocking nature of like they they coalesce into something really almost unpredictable from from what a single instrument would sound like well like a bitch in flannel you got on all them threads and by right. yourself yeah but when you put them together whoa you walk into a club with a black light on and you look like madonna i know exactly, <laughs> exactly. what you're talking about chris we're at the first uh, we're at the end of the first hour march 10 2021 edition walk pedro show special guest chris cooper hold tight for hour two March 10, 2021, it's second hour of the Watt for Pedro's show.
Watch for Pedro. Should we start off the second hour? Something untitled, but it was live in 2017, so not too long ago, people. Angst, Hassa, Pfeffer, Nasa. Okay. Then Baby Island after that with Woke Up and a Pfeffer Quitter with Imp. So these two projects both got Pfeffer in the name. Yeah. Uh, can you enlighten us? I would, I would love to. I would love to. So, um... As I mentioned, my partner Jessica and I moved back out to the West Coast. We spent about a year in Washington State where my mother and stepfather live. We were able to just live there without, you know, getting a normal job and paying rent and such. And uh, I hate that word normal. Our... I hate that word normal. <laughs> it's, oh man. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. I don't want to talk about jobs and stuff. It's really a well, shame. You can take um, jobs, but it's the normal word. <laughs> <laughs> No, go ahead. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> quite all right. Quite all right. Yeah, so our good friend Dan Greenwood, who does Diagram A, came out to visit us for about a month. Uh, Jessica has a solo project called Shirt Quitters, and so Diagram A plus Shirt Quitters plus Anxhaza Pfeffernaza gives you a Pfeffer Quitter. And that was – that was just a lot of time spent sometimes like jamming in the garage and recording our improvisations. He does homemade electronics. Um, I would do guitar. Jess would play a lot of field recordings and process field recordings. But we also, and this is the kicker, uh, were able to sneak into the two million gallon empty cistern in Port Townsend, which has a 45 second natural reverb. And uh, that's where Pauline Oliveros and Stuart Dempster and someone else's name I'm forgetting did a lot of the early deep listening stuff because you know you play a single note and it rings out for almost a minute so that particular project was a a mix of the one time we were able to break into there before they welded it shut again and you know various improvisations and other field recordings from from our year our lost year in washington state whoa why was it lost it wasn't. It was actually, it was a great year. It was a great year. Um, but we felt completely outside of regular culture. I mean, we didn't really have friends up there. There weren't that many people. We had to a couple of people, but we were just completely outside of the world we had been in for the past 20 years. You know, we'd been super active in Western Massachusetts music scene, various bands in Western Mass, putting on shows all the time. Then all of a sudden we were like making tea and and you know, watching a movie at night. <laughs> it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. So you would say it was a contrast. Yes. Yeah. 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 And th- that's And okay. it was a, a reprieve. We knew it was temporary because we were on our way back to California to be like back in, in a hub of hive of activity. It seems like life's about taking turns anyway. Mm-hmm. So why not have a, a mode, a, a rural mode, a cistern mode? <laughs> You know, look, what about when you call a proj with your own name? You know, I've almost never done that. It's just perchance been a couple of things of me playing solo guitar. I think there is a three inch CDR and then that one track that I did. That's that's what I'm referring to. No, what I'm referring to, Chris, is this piece of music you gave me called Corners. I want to play it right now. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah, that's just good old-fashioned Chris Cooper.
Watt for Pedro Show. Chris Cooper with Corners. And then Aruba Avua with Asombro Um Komodo. And finally Prance with Personal Tapers. So before I get to Prance. Certainly. What was this uh, Corners for? That was a compilation benefit, uh, you know, early COVID 
shutdown comp benefit for, I believe it's the root seller currently in Greenfield, Massachusetts. I actually haven't played there. That got started after I, I left Western Mass. But they put together a guitar-based benefit comp. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. A lot of people are on Bill Nace, who I think is going to be on your show soon. Good friend of mine. He's uh, he's oh, on it Bill as Nace. well. Yeah, I know Bill. He played yeah, with yeah. Thurston for a little while. Then he played with Kim. And he right. did something with Charlie Plymel, Apocalypse Rose. Western Mass guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were friends. We played together. We had a duo. I, you know, well, we played together regularly as, as a two-piece for a while. And what was so, it called? Yeah. Funny you should ask. I'm, I'm just going to leave it at it was just our two names. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. You can do that. Now, now, yeah. now what about Prance? Prance is um, myself and Bahab Rainey. Bahab Rainey is a soprano sax player who plays played regularly with Greg Kelly in Nimprine. I think Greg Kelly was on recently. The trumpet man. Yeah. Yes. Also a Boston man. guy. Yes. So, so Bahab Rainey is the sax man to go with Greg Kelly's trumpet man. And also that uh, BSC I sent you a track of that, which is like an eight person improvisational group. That was Bahab and Greg and a bunch of other people. So, but Prance is Bahab, getting into computer music more heavily and doing things that he thought sounded, felt a little like Anxaza Pfeffernaza and their sort of skittery, anxious energy. So we, we decided to do a project together. And that's, that's the result of a year's worth of back and forth of files and a really fruitful feeling exchange, sending like bits of songs and even like bits of code, super collider code to just like, play with and tweak and like sort of play each other's instruments in a way because you could make something in super lighter the, the the software programming sound programming language you could make an instrument and then give it to your other friend and then have them play this instrument you sort of invented whoa so I, that's what i'm not is aware about. about that stuff what i'm aware of is making wave files and then you trade them over the internet that's 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 a lot of what this was but there was also a little bit of like Bahab, especially because he's really good with coding stuff, could like make something in this language, Super Collider, that he would send to me just as like a text file. And I would just run it and then maybe give me some controls and I could I could play it just like a little. He made me a little synthesizer to play with for some of this. And, and, and uh, maybe a uh, parallel to that is kind of MIDI. It could, it could be. I mean, yeah, I could definitely like, like MIDI is mid a, set, MIDI's a set of instructions, right? It's not the actual sounds themselves right right so yeah i could i could do a thing where he would send me the instrument and i could like change it a little bit to where it could react to like my midi controllers okay. and then i would be like it's a nice it's a nice way of collaborating because it's like it's kind of him because it's he made the synth right. it's kind of me because i'm the one playing it right. that's certainly not what the whole album is that's that's an aspect of it. Well, and I, I, think, think, I think it's a really interesting collaboration way because, like, the ownership completely dissolves at that point. Yeah, yeah. But you still, there's... The, the problem we got still is latency. When we solve that one, we're, we actually can play with somebody over the internet. Yeah. I think that'll be really happening. In the meantime, yeah, it's trading either sounds or instructions or, like, uh, virtual instruments like your uh, buddy here. That, that sax mm -hmm. man. I remember... Uh, 
Yeah, the trumpet man talking about them. They got they got a two piece band they've had for a while, duet. Yes, uh, yeah. but but I think he's analog in that world. He plays a, a not a straight soprano, but a a, a band up soprano sax. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that band is completely completely analog acoustic. Um, they're great. I would. That was a band that I would see and or set up shows for and with in my time in Massachusetts. We we did a lot of stuff together. Um not, but not, yeah, they were they were they were great to see regularly, like the most confusingly acoustic sounds that just sounded more like some old tape music. But you know, in a way, ain't music music, does it really matter how, how it gets <laughs> to your ears? I'm asking your opinion. You know, I don't know. I don't know because some there's something to be said for, especially if you're seeing it live. You know what you're seeing the person do, and I'm not saying it matters matters, but it definitely affects what you think of it, right? It, like, if you listen blindfolded, that's one thing. But as long as you're watching someone or thinking about what they do, that is affecting your opinion somehow. Ah, because it's I, a, it's and, a performance. It's a performance. Yeah, and even if you're listening on record, if you know you listen to something, it's like. But you look, think it's from 1968, and you think one thing, and then you find out that it's from, you know, 2018. It's like, oh, but they are sounding like 1968. It's right. a different thing. Because of context. But it's still more of a document rather than a performance. Okay. But yeah. you know what? It's all expression, right? So I, I say let the fucking freak flag fly. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. We're at the end of the second <laughs> hour, March 10, 2021. Dish Peter Show special guest, Chris Cooper. Hold tight for hour three. March 10, 2021, it's the third hour. Watch for Pedro Show. Thank <laughs> you. 
Shall we start off the third hour with Angst Tysa Pfeffer Nasa with Slugwater? And then we had P. Merkin and the Bodags doing Waiting for the Good Times, Don the Tiger, La Linea Toda, and finally Wolves, Fat Worm of Air. And you've already discussed these couple other, these these projects, Angst Tysa Pfeffer Nasa and Fat Worm of Air. And, and, and these, these haven't been, uh, Buried, right? They're still active projects. Yes, yeah. Angstas are very much so. Fat Worm, you know, Jess and I are now 3,000 miles away from the rest of the band, but um, we we still plan, have, have, we still have grand plans, definitely. Yeah. Right. It's just not active. I mean, Fat Worm was practicing at least once a week, if not two or three times a week for many hours at a time. So that music was very much born of a like intense collaboration that can't be replicated long distance, but we can still do other things and we still will. But the, the particular thing that happened then that was really special, that's probably not going to happen until they all agree to move out to California. Yeah. Cause you ain't moving back there. <laughs> I don't know. It's really nice. You get really good asparagus. They call it Hadley grass. Yeah. 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 I mean, I came to California when I was nine and, you know, Pete San Peter, it's a harbor of Los Angeles, and I'm spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I miss stuff about Virginia, but I, I'll see that on tour when that happens again. So, but uh, right. I, look, we're not here to make everybody fucking envious, right? So, <laughs> uh, 
these cats are still your buddies, but yeah, it's by long distance. And, and yeah. Liang's Tassa Pfeffer Nasa? Yeah, that one, that's basically, well, typically that's just me. That had been the name of like my, like you were saying, like hardcore composer self of like right. just tape music, just me in a room or whatever. Although the live track you played was, again, my partner Jess has joined me on playing computer patches that I made, like we were just talking about. So live has been computer and prepared guitar. But typically, yeah, Anxaza is, is just me and sort of like my default, my default persona. Well, you gave me an excerpt of this Seize Hard. What, what was, was this a big piece and you only gave me part of it? It was basically, yeah, it was two, it's a, it's a record and each side is a full 20 minutes. And just to be considerate, I think, you know, figured you want to hear from something more than just my own music on this show. So I, I just chose a choice eight minutes out of the 40. Well, you know, that's why you're called the guest. You get to hold sway. <laughs> I also gave you like that BSC track is 20 minutes I started being a little self-conscious like I can't send this guy five 20 minute tracks he's yeah, got a life to live but Chris I'm doing five shows a week since November it's alright there'll be another show the next day let, let, let's listen to Sea Hard Sea's Hard <laughs>
from Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Angst has a pfeffer. I was told that you make your mouth like a P, but you say an F. (laughs) So pfeffer. Yeah. Yeah, with C's hard. And uh, after that was botanist. Botanist is from the C. This guy plays an electric zither to make uh, his music. It's Roberto backwards. How do you say that? Otarab? (laughs) Otabar? Otabar, that, that's how you say it. He was on the show a couple months ago. He's a beautiful guy. Uh, Rizophoria. And then finally, this collab, a uh, big ensemble you were talking about, the BSC. What's that stand for? Acronym, right? Um, Let's just call it the BSC. There's, okay. it's, it's, <laughs> it's not the much BOC. Like, much like the uh, unnamed duo. Okay. It's not the BOC. I was going to say when I think three letters, BOC, Blue Oyster Cult. No. Oh, if only. Yeah. And this is something without a title, but it was live in Hampshire. Hampshire College in West Mass? Exactly, yeah. 2003. Yeah. You know, in 1986, I was playing with the Firehose, and they we brought the Sonic Youth, we were opening up for them, and brought them on stage for a Blue Oyster Cult song. I think mm. Jay Maskus, because uh, uh, right next to is Amherst, and he, so he came and played lead guitar. And fucking thirst. You know, I got bad knees, and they fucking dogpiled me with their guitars and shit and popped my knee out. Oh. Yeah, I, you couldn't see through the Levi, of course. And he puts me in a fucking chair. You know, maybe it was star power that that happened. And then he asked me to sing this Blue Oyster Cult song, and I'm in shock and out of my mind with pain. And he put the mic right in my mouth. And, yeah, that, that, 
I can still remember that. Yeah, so oh, that's man. my that's my Hampshire uh, experience. Now, a guitar is not a toy. <laughs> no, no, especially to beat up a fucking palsy guy with bad knees. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know though. He didn't. So uh, yeah, no, I I swung a guitar at someone once, like all in good fun. But when I was much younger, it's like not quite realizing like how much that actually packs at the end of it. When it's like, oh, it's it, it's really satisfying, but it's really painful on the other end. I still feel bad about that thirty years later. Yeah, you know. The whole idea of the breaker bar, right? You can't get that lug nut off, so you put a big cheater pipe. Because torque, when you're dealing with the length, so that guitar, even though you might not be putting a little force there, yeah, the end of it, and the person on the receiving end, yeah. Also, it's got like uh, like pieces of string and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some uh, pretty belligerent shit. Like that, uh, using guitars as weapons. Uh, but uh, Thursday was just in good fun. But uh, right now, what's currently going on in your, because uh, uh, of the situation? Are you composing? Are you recording? Yeah, I'm not doing nearly as much as I want to. And I'm realizing how much I miss collaboration. I, I've just missed working with people, whether it's just like a live improv right now, or if it's, you know, hashing out song ideas down to the like, down to the bar line difference, whatever. I just miss the the back and forth, but I'm still, it's most every day, you know, I play my acoustic guitar, music that I would probably never put out, just like sappy E minor, sad sounding stuff, or I play with like my electronics and pedals and record and try to make things into be a real piece. But uh, largely it's just, I just kind of enjoy doing it and hearing it and asking myself, does anyone need to hear this? Not necessarily. I can just work on this and feel good about it, but it doesn't have to be shared until I feel really good about something. And is there a place on the internet people can find you? No. Okay. I need to do that. I absolutely need to do that. I need a Bandcamp page. Right. I need to put up my little experiments because I don't know. I would enjoy listening to it. If someone else put that up, I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty good. But. Well, man, all this music you gave me for your appearance on my show today, I'm way into this stuff, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. big time. And uh, we got to thank Brother Evan Libson for making the connection. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And played with him a couple years ago. He was out. I forgot the name of the trio he was in, but I joined them for a couple of sets. One of the most fun recent live experiences I've had. So hats off to Brother Evan Libson. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people ask me about the old days, and I say, you know, a lot about the old days is people. And I think a lot about the new days is about people, too. It's always going to be about people. Yeah. Like you say, you're missing the collab. Mm-hmm. That's people. Yeah. I mean, there's some... Yeah, yeah, things ideas. that you would never, never think of, just like one offhanded comment by someone that just reflects some deep-seated variation in their worldview than yours. And it's like, that seems so out of left field and it makes so much sense from them. And then that's just what makes something awesome. It's just like you put these two incongruous ideas together. Neither person thinks they're being strange and the, <laughs> but the other person each, each thinks the other is an absolute weirdo and it's beautiful. You know, you mentioned Jimmy. He was an influence on you. You know, not a huge one, not like a lot of people who play noisy guitar, but I definitely like when I was younger and I heard him, it was 
crazy, but it was just like what I thought guitar should be. It's like, oh, this, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's what you do. But I didn't I didn't follow him and delve in like a lot of people do. But there's a lot of ways to be influenced. I think rather than just serving as something to copy, he mm-hmm. just just maybe that nerve of him wanting to push further influence you with your music because that's the kind of feeling I get. What about somebody else? What about an electronic music? Um, like who would who would be my yeah influences? I would so tape music wise, it's definitely and I'm going to get the name poorly, even though I've practiced lots of times. Ilhan Mimaroglu, okay. who was a he was Turkish, but he lived in New York, and he actually produced a lot of jazz records, including Mingus and actually the Sonny and Linda Chirac record, uh, that's Paradise. Right, that's right. But he did um, I, his tape collage stuff from the late '60s is some of the first that was like. This is this is the stuff that makes sense to me. This is the kind of music I want to do in a general sense. It's like very colorful, evocative, but like short in almost like a song sense. So it doesn't have to be like a long symphony, but it's like it has an idea like a, a pop song does. But it's all just squiggles and beeps. And I love it. Um, and live David Tudor. David Tudor's. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Just like the raw that especially Americans of the time more than Europeans. From what I know, I don't know historian, but just the. The, the love of the raw electricity without having to like color it too much to push it one way or the other like no this is what these circuits sound like we don't have to put on some reverb we don't have to make it nice this is what the electronics wants to say to you that's bitching that's bitching big honor to have you aboard chris thank you so much oh thanks so much for for asking me this has been great okay people it's been the march 10 2021 edition of the waft pedro show keep your powder dry